0: and welcome to EG's Voice of the Region. I'm Jim Larkin and I'll be continuing our voyage of discovery around the UK hearing from regional agents who are flourishing in the Radius Undermine rankings to find out exactly what particular markets are like from a local expert. Now to our obvious shame, uh, Voice for the Region has yet to cover Yorkshire which is something that obviously needs correcting, so we chose the hottest afternoon in the entire history of the UK to sit down with Tim Bottrell, founder of Sheffield agency Coloco which is currently sitting in second place on the Radius rankings for South Yorkshire. It's an important time for Sheffield, as a huge part of the city centre is currently being transformed under the Heart of the City 2 development. So I'll be finding out exactly what this means for the future of a city already famed for some iconic buildings and strong on quality of life. And also, in the week temperature records crumbled, what can the CRE sector do better to help the environment? Are EPC badges really the best we can do? Tim, welcome aboard. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Very well. We're hot, same as everyone else. But yeah, I'm well, happy. I think the world's
0: the world's okay. I think at the moment. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. Um, now, um, Colico it celebrated this year its fifth birthday. Um, you set the company up after Stintzer, I think Knight Frank, then Fernie Greaves. Um, what made you think the time was right to, to go it alone? And how, was, how have those five years been? Um, I think everyone needs a change in life, don't they, sometimes? Um, Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I was at Night Frank for what, 16 years? It's a Mm -hmm. phenomenal business. Um, But I just fancied doing something on my own, to be perfectly honest. Um, So, yes, that five years ago, um, Coloco um, has its name because Coloco means place in Latin. Uh, I didn't know
0: that. I was going to ask that.
1: (laughs) It does does according to uh, Google. So, right. <laughs> I'm not a um, great Latin scholar, um, so I mean, I never really. I just didn't want to use my name, to be perfectly honest. Um, and then you faff about on Google with a bottle of red wine. Um, and <laughs> so all the best things come, come from. Name. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things. It's it's like naming buildings. It's like naming your ch- your children. You make the decision, and then it doesn't really sit very well for however long, and then all of a sudden it just becomes sort of part of your normal vernacular, your speech, and it just sort of fits in after a while. Um, And I think it was always part of that bit about trying to be slightly different. Um, And it's, first of all, I can't believe it's been five years. Um, Time does have this horrible habit of uh, racing away. And I think particularly over the last a sort of couple of years since we went into the first lockdown my perception of time the same as most other people is slightly warped um so yeah it's um uh, emma who works for me i i noticed it was um the number of months correlated with the fact that it was the business was five years old the number of months <laughs> on our invoices so um, yeah it was, it was very very nice to get to five years and it's I, I never set it up with a huge sort of business plan on this is where we want to be and this is what we want to do back right then, et cetera. Um, it's purposely been kept compact, geographically compact, but concentrate predominantly on Sheffield. Um we tend to do the bigger quality development schemes, the bigger quality office office buildings, and those sort of interesting schemes that hopefully make a difference to the city we live in. In a positive way um, um, I think we're still we're still doing that um, instru- we still have a very good list of instructions um, and it's it's a mixed bag from small um, sort of master's workshops which are interesting spaces through to your
0: big 80 ninety thousand square foot sort of corporate offices. Sure. Good stuff. Okay. Um, Is there anything kind of looking back um, you wish you'd known when you set the company up that, you know, might have made things easier?
1: Um, No, not necessarily. I mean, the, the strange thing about doing commercial agency is I'm doing exactly what I've done for 25 years. Um, Mm. The difference is you don't get a salary um, and you replace the, um, the partners meetings and all those sort of turgid corporate things with, well, I'd better speak to the accountant about doing the VAT return. Um, so uh, and to be fair, all that sort of stuff, the sort of the business side of it, the admin side of it, with the advent of modern technology, everything's cloud based It's and it's a lot easier than, than you think. Um, I think after five years, you've gone through the sort of the peaks and the troughs and the panic and you you, you, you sort of calm down a bit and go, yeah, clients will pay me eventually, it's fine.
0: <laughs> no, it's been quite an eventful five years, hasn't it? Oh. You could have picked a slightly calmer time, but hey-ho. Um, anyway, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we're kind of speaking today because you're currently second in the radius rankings for South Yorkshire. Um, <laughs> what do you feel you're getting right? Uh, I think one of the big things that, think we've
1: always got right is that bit about being local and knowing your market and knowing how the market works. Uh, and I think the other bit, and we're going through it at the moment, is people search for stuff online. They go on new websites online. They need to be able to get to the properties quickly. Hmm. And I think being small and all the other small practices will be exactly the same. You can get to the property searches quickly. Um, with the big boys, you'll go on the property search and there's 20,000 buildings there. Mm. Very difficult to find the one you want. Um, and I think it's, we invest in social media. We could probably do it better. Um, we are going to be investing in our website over the next couple of months. Um, I think after five years, it needs a bit of a refresh, not rebranding or anything radical. I just think a lot of people log onto the website and it, apart from property listings, it looks the same. Um, I probably go on to it more than most people because you check stuff. Mm. Um, But um, yeah, I think the other bits are going back to the ups and downs of the last five years. Sheffield as a market has always been quite stable. We're not susceptible to the massive peaks and troughs that they are in the city or places like that. The Sheffield market tends to sort of run at a slightly slower pace, which means by the time the markets dip and reached Sheffield, the markets come back up. So it sort mm. of carries on. Um, I think one thing that sort of collectively um, the agents and the developers have managed to do in Sheffield over the last five years is improve headline rents. Um, we've gone on from very late teens and we're now at £26.50 a foot. And that'll move up to 27, 28, 30 pounds a square foot. Um, and it's always, rent's quite an ethereal concept, really, because actually for a major business, whether they're paying 25 quid or 27 quid doesn't make any difference to the accounts. Mm. It's a rounding error with some of the accounts. It's the, um, it's your staff that cost the money. Um, and we have to, I think we all have a responsibility to move rent forward. It's not a dirty word, rising rents. It's what we need. It's the same as inflation. We need inflation. Um, and I think collectively that's one of the major pluses that I think collectively the market's achieved is moving on
0: rents. I mean, on rents, I mean, how does Sheffield compare with the rest of Yorkshire? I mean, Leeds is probably, what, low 30s headline rents? Yeah, we are, we've we always been a step below
1: Leeds and Leeds has always been a step below Manchester. Um hmm. I think we're sort of more comparable with the Nottingham's of this world Mm. Um, and sort of that second tier of sort of regional UK cities. Um, And there's a reason for that. I think it's a larger marketplace in Leeds. I mean, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's probably twice as much, if not more, take up within the marketplace than you've got in Sheffield. Mm. Um, It is a bigger commercial centre, so rents are going to be a little bit higher. Um, I think that's a good thing and a bad thing, there's pros and cons to everything in life, isn't there? But I think it gives us a competitive advantage for some occupiers, not everybody, because if you Mm. want to be in Leeds, you want to be in Leeds. Um, If you're a bit more footloose, I mean, there are businesses that are spread between the two locations, it's only 40 minutes on the train. Not that you want to get on the train when it's 40 degrees,
0: but. <laughs> <laughs> cool. uh, no, I mean, whenever I visit Sheffield, which is quite often, um, I always kind of come away with the sense that it's got a lot of the elements that, you know, leave you impressed when you visit places in continental Europe, um, like the public realm is really good. Um, it's got a low cost tram network, loads of green space, loads of kind of like quirky independent bars and restaurants and stuff. Um, how much of a selling point is, is all of that when it comes to attracting occupiers? I think it's a massive selling point, to be honest. Um, but I think one thing that we
1: we all potentially get a little bit distracted with is the um, the potential inward investment, because mm. inward investment has never accounted for a huge proportion of the marketplace. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the activity in the market is indigenous businesses, whether they're getting bigger, getting smaller, moving sideways mm. it doesn't really matter, but they do account for 90 plus percent of the activity in the marketplace um i think um sheffield can be better in terms of um selling its wares i think if you go back probably 10 years ago people wouldn't proactively mention sheffield i think what sheffield's learned to do is speak it's learned to speak more confidently. It's never, it's not a shouty place, it never has been, but it's learning to speak more confidently about its assets. Um, and it's stuff with my property association hat on that we are uh, looking to work with the council and those other parties with a vested interest in the city um, to make that sell
0: better. Yeah, I was mean, going to ask, me, I mean, what, what do you think Sheffield could, you know? <laughs> could get better. Um, and you you think it's kind of marketing itself?
1: Yeah, I think I think that it,
0: that's definitely something that that
1: can be improved. And it's, it's a tangible thing that can be achieved. Mm. Um, I think a lot of things are just a bit wishy washy or too adventurous, I think, let's just try and get some simple things done some simple messaging. Because I think, like you said earlier, the city's got a lot of things to um, a, that will appeal to a lot of businesses if they are looking to relocate. Yeah. But those businesses that want to relocate that are foot loops, a lot of the decisions are made. Conversationally, mm-hmm. if you're looking to relocate 100, 200 staff, you can recruit them in just about any city in the country. Is Sheffield part of those conversations? I don't think Sheffield's part of those conversations and they are probably conversations around boardroom tables or with other advisors. I think it's just getting Sheffield's name as part of that conversation because there is a great sale when you get here, the quality of life, exceptional, exceptional. You've got green spaces in the city. I mean on some of the buildings in town you can see the Peak District so mm.
2: um
1: there are some big things there that i think sheffield should appeal but it's just getting it part of the city
0: mentioned as part of those conversations sure. how does it do that i mean would some sort of andy burnham style high profile mayor help uh well to be fair we've just got a new
1: mayor, so i feel actually um mayor or combined authority um so oliver copper has just taken over and i think oliver's a breath of fresh air I think with Kate Joseph, chief executive of Sheffield City Council, now back at work. I think the council um is now not the oil tanker without the captain. It's it's still an oil tanker, um, mm-hmm. but it's captain's back and hopefully lead it in the right direction. Um I think you take those two things and politically I think Sheffield can have conversations, but we're not even close to those. Um discussions or won't sit at those tables but it's just getting it part of the conversation again Mm. um and then i think we can i think we need to collectively put some more collateral out there about the city and what it's got to offer
0: Sure. Okay. Um, okay. Um, let's kind of talk buildings. Um, one of the things that I think Sheffield does well, um, it kind of repurposes a lot of its older industrial buildings to create, you know, office and leisure space with genuine character. A um, spaces like that kind of attracted more of a premium now, where, you know, emerging from the pandemic and people don't want to go back to the, you know, boring workplaces.
1: Um, I think the the quality of the working environment is so important to so many occupiers. Because I think during the pandemic, we all started started talking about work from home and all this sort of stuff. And actually, none of these things are new. They've all existed previously. It was just that people don't like change and it's a human nature thing. Should we do something new? You say no what we've noticed particularly with the larger occupiers betterment quality working environment is so 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 important Um, and even with the smaller businesses if you're trying to recruit and retain the best bright young things the office environment is such an important part of that yes Mm. if you can work from home a little bit but when you come into the office you have to have a reason to come into the office And you have to have a reason to work for company A rather than company B. And the office environment is totally part of that. Um, And to be fair, I think on most of the sort of bigger projects that we're involved in, this is one of these recurring conversations because an office is where you put your desk in an office is the same in Manchester, Sheffield, London, wherever. It's carpet tiles. Air conditioning, LED lights, all those things. But it's the softer bits around it. It's the breakout spaces. It's the cycle storage. It's the green credentials of the building. It's all of those other little bits that differentiate buildings and cities and places. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's very important. Um, and I think the old, the older buildings. I've always had an affinity to an old building. I I bought a office building dating back, dating back i think it was 1790s wow. um but the park hills of this world um we've just um, we've done a lot of stuff in kellam over the years um we've just got a little old master's workshop down on near bramall lane Chelsea yard and the number of inquiries we have for these types of
0: spaces is huge mm. people want an interesting place to go and work um, yeah, I was going to come on to Park Hill, actually, because it's kind of one of Sheffield's icons, um, you know, um, okay. people that don't really know it, it's this kind of 1960s brutalist behemoth high-rise housing estate, um, which Urban Splash took over, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, um, and they kind of revamped it and brought it into the 21st century. Um, it's kind of still, I guess, mainly a resi scheme, um, but can you kind of outline what difference it's made to the city's overall commercial offering and what the plans are for the next phases of development?
1: Well, I've been involved in Park Hill now for what ten years plus um so I've done all the commercial space in Park Hill over the years so phase one was thirty odd thousand feet phase two is twenty five thousand square feet phase three we've got five thousand square feet um, and actually the the product there has always been different mm. um so we've basically been selling shell commercial units and people have been majority of people have bought them and fitted them out themselves. So people have put their own stamps on them. Um, and most of them have ended up being small offices. We've, we've turned the corner. We've got some f and um, offerings going in up there at the moment with some really good operators. Um, and Park Hill's always been quite Marmite. Um, mm. I've always found that, particularly from people in Sheffield, it's quite easy to go, oh, I don't like Park Hill. And you say, have you been up there? And they go, no, I've been sat on my settee. I don't <laughs> like the rubbish. And actually, I mean, we, we've gone through this process with a lot of people when we've been showing people the commercial space there. 99.9% of the people that we take up there leave with a positive feeling about Park Hill. The views are amazing. The spaces look stunning. Um and yes, it is a residential-led scheme, but I think the commercial element adds a bit of texture to it. It mm. helps the residential. It creates life up there during the day when people are at work. Um, and it is, it is absolutely huge. I mean, it's a million square foot of
0: concrete. Yeah, I read it was Europe's yeah. largest listed building. Yeah. Yeah, the, the top street in the sky, I think, is a mile and a half long. Wow. It's kind of a It must have blown people's minds when it opened like back in the 60s.
1: Uh, Well, when it first opened, it was the first time that people had had a toilet inside, Mm. had central heating. And I imagine at the time it was the coolest place on earth to live. And there were proper communities that lived there. Um, There were schools up there. There was local shops up there. You didn't really need to leave. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and I think it was just one of those things where it's the rise and fall, isn't it? the urban landscape Um, and it did, it was, the urban decay up there was horrendous and you needed somebody like Urban Splash who had a brand, who people bought into in a positive way to come and just sprinkle that little bit of gold over it. Um, Mm. And that's what these big, particularly these big residential placemaking companies do. And I think at the time, Splash were probably one of the only people in the country that could do it. Um, So, yeah, we've had a very long relationship with Splash and Park Hill. Um, And the current phase, I think there's 15 units. We've got 11 of them under offer uh, before practical completion.
0: Um, So from my perspective, the commercial's absolutely flown out the door. Okay. Um, now, I guess the biggest development going on um, away from Park Hill um, is Heart of the City Two. Um, yes. Can you just talk us through that in terms of what it's bringing to the market and the, and the occupiers that it's already brought in? Yeah. So we've
1: we've been involved in all the commercial element of Park uh, Park Hill <laughs> <laughs> Heart, Heart of the City. So we've been involved in Grosvenor in House, Isaacs, Elshaw. Leah's yard. Um, but our element is only one element of the, of the scheme. So there's retail space, there's a lot of leisure, uh, f and space within the scheme. Um, and I think one of the sort of things with a scheme like Heart of the City, it needs to cater for all sectors of society. So from the commercial point of view, it needs to cater for the creative startup business, which it does within Cubo, and within Leah's yard that'll be a conversion of going back to our earlier point of a former master's workshop uh, into little studio spaces Um, right through to Isaac's building um, which is um, due for completion in the next few weeks which is a forty thousand square foot office building Um, within that building we've got four floors under offer at the moment the deals on there are obviously complete when the building itself Please, mm-hmm. um, I think it's one of those schemes that over the last couple of years, people have really started to notice it. Um, because also, I think over the last couple of years, people didn't come into town as often as they did, and then all of a sudden, they'll come into the city centre and go, "Wow, all that buildings are happening. Uh, where did all that come from?" So I think that's been a huge positive for the scheme, and I think. If we had this conversation in sort of nine months from now, a lot of the construction that's on site at the moment will be complete. Mm. So there'll be and there'll be people living there, whether it's in um apartments they've bought or apartments that that are rented, Cambridge Street Collective will be open, Leah's Yard will be open, the occupiers will be in Isaac's building. And all of a sudden you're gonna have this sort of centre of gravity within the city centre, which I think for a long time, we didn't really have. Um, and it's no one's fault in particular, just stuff happens that's out of people's control. Um, and that, it'll be really nice to see, to have things to go and to do in the city centre and have really good quality built environment and public realm. Um, and also sort of harking back to one of your other points, we're going to have a park in town as well. Oh, well, wow. is that part of it? Um, so that's part of heart of the city, so it's Pounds Park, so it's part of heart of the city, and it's creating those green spaces which just add texture to the city in a positive manner. Um, but there's also other stuff happening within the city centre that so there's a the future high street fund stuff um which is about regenerating Fargate bringing upper floors back into use. I think that the simple logic. And this is an agent saying it, so it is going to be simple. It's just people. (laughs) It's getting people living and working in town. And if you can achieve that, then the knock on effects are huge. Very simply, there's people who want to park the car or get the bus into town. and They'll have to pay to do that. They'll go for a coffee. They'll go for a sandwich. They'll go and meet their mates. They'll then go to the shops and it's getting that One of the big challenges we came out of lockdown was getting that pound out of people's pockets and get that pound circulating, because that pound doesn't get spent once. That pound gets spent 50, 100 times, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's getting that, and that was the challenge we came out of lockdown, is getting those pounds circulating again, and I think we're back at sort of a sensible point now.
0: Um, I remember, I don't know, it must have been about 15 years ago, so people were talking about a development called Seven Stone, which was like this kind of grand initiative to, you know, reinvigorate the retail offering. And then it became Sheffield Retail Quarter and it was talked about and nothing happened for years and years. And I think that's kind of now part of the overall part of the city to kind it of develop. Yeah. Um, um, is that, I mean, I don't know how, how complete it is, but do you feel like that's made Sheffield City Centre much more of a, a re- retail proposition? I think if you look
1: back at the previous iterations of the scheme, they all reflect, they were all reflections of a moment in time. Mm. And I think my own personal view here, we could have been left with an awful big box retail scheme that crashed. Mm. It happened in other cities. Luckily, we hadn't committed to the scheme at the time. You've now got a scheme that provides a lot more mix in terms of uses. So you've got people working there, people living there, people visiting there. And yes, there's a retail element, but there's also an F&B element. Um, There's also leisure opportunities in there. So I think it's a a considerably more balanced scheme. And I think that's more a reflection of now. And I think it's more sustainable as well going forward. I think that sort of high street retail is will never go back to what it was, um, which is a good job that we haven't got loads of ten, twenty
0: thousand square foot empty retail units in town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no. Um... <clears throat> Sheffield uh, is also very popular as a student destination, um, which obviously is great for employers and the nighttime economy and stuff like that. Um, is there a slight battle for space going on between office and student resi? Um, I'm thinking of the example of a Crown House, which i boomed maybe 10 years ago or something, um, yeah. stood empty for a bit, and then that's now been converted to student resi. Um, does that leave you with enough office stock? <clears throat> um, I mean, I think last
1: cycle basically mopped up all of those office buildings that were struggling and the the values Mm. had reached such a point that it was viable to convert them into student housing. Uh, Or, to be fair, private apartments, whether they're for sale or for rent. Mm. um, That, I think in total, that probably took out over a million square foot of office space. What that did, though, is you had a qualitative improvement In the stock in the market so there wasn't that that really crappy stock at the bottom of the market that people were trying to let out for three four five quid a foot. right um that had all gone so all of a sudden the market was sort of the shackles at the bottom of the market were taken off so you could see this rise in rents coming and it did happen um i think the situation you've got at the moment is that the office stock that's remaining hasn't quite reached that point of sort of viability yet, um, so there there isn't really a, a sort of competition, particularly within standing stock. Um, traditionally, the development market has been fueled by student housing. Um, we don't like student houses or or flats, but um, I think from the outside, we've probably got there or thereabouts enough stock at the moment. Um, and the new stock will just essentially be markets maturing. So, so um, schemes falling out of the bottom end of the market. So they get replaced. Um, I think student numbers generally have sort of plateaued over the last few years. Um, and I think, to be honest, they will probably stay at those sorts of levels for the foreseeable future. So we're not going to jump from 60,000 students to 80,000 students. The universities are at. Where they want to be in terms of numbers, I think, at the moment. Um, mm. Personal view of that I'm sure they'd say something different. But <laughs> from an outsider perspective, I think that's where they are. I think where we've all, where we've struggled, really is, and this is the same across a lot of regional cities, is a viability one,
2: mm.
1: which is why it's positive that we're managing to move rents up within the residential, so the, the private residential sector. Rents and values were going in, a, in the right direction. Um, in both of those sectors, you've now got a cost challenge. How do you effectively cost a scheme that you're going to be on site in six, nine, 12 months? Um, and everyone's got these same sorts of challenges, but I think for a city like Sheffield, it is quite a challenge because schemes have always been marginal in Sheffield. Mm. And they say, nottingham and newcastle wherever um and we just need to keep the momentum going so those get so the market doesn't stall um and part of that is you've got to continue to push rent you've got to do deals when they're there um, and you've got to invest some of your time in promoting the city
0: now uh, moving on slightly um we're kind of speaking on an afternoon in which the uk is kind of setting new records for the high temperatures which i guess kind of focuses the mind on environmental issues a little bit um what more do you think landlords and developers could could be doing to you know mitigate the pretty significant carbon footprint that real estate has without being too controversial i think they can do a lot more (laughs) please be controversial (laughs) yeah no i think they can do a lot
1: more and i think our industry has got better at this Mm. over the last few years um I think if I look back, a lot of it was just a bit of a sop, to be Mm. honest, Um, and something that's been going through my mind over the last couple of months is we're in the business of marketing buildings, and marketing buildings with badges is not really what you should be doing, so you're, you're an EPCA, well, do you know what that means? It means that the energy performance of that building is as good as it should be. But yeah. there are certain bits that I think from a marketing perspective are more important than that. You want to know the how the building has been constructed, and you want the simple things that people have done everything that they can do for the environment. we've all we've already got a certain amount of time on this on, on this planet, and I think, collectively, I think we can do a little bit more. Um, and I think business generally, and from a tenant's perspective, I think it's important. Um, and it's part of a business's corporate identity and their sell to their staff and their customers, that they are occupying more sustainable, environmentally aware office buildings, which is why you sort of look at Elshaw, which we haven't really gone to market properly within the heart of the city, as a leading example of what you can do with a building um what what does that get right do you think um i mean we we haven't gone to market properly with it yet because we are making sure that we get all of the esg credentials a hundred percent correct yeah um carbon neutral ready I think is the what, we, what we're what we going to be using, um, but what, watch this space that there are there's going to be some really exciting things that we are going to be pushing out on that building. And it's making it more relevant for a, for a marketplace that I think needs it. Um, I know that people like most of the architect architectural practices are looking at reusing existing buildings, which hearts back to one of your points earlier. It's about creating interesting space in terms of the carbon footprint, it's always going to be better to use an existing building. Mm. I think it's working around that there's always going to be a compromise in whatever you do in life. And whether that's moving house with your missus or moving your your office-based business that employs 150 people, there's going to be a compromise. Um, And maybe some of those limitations you just have to take a view on. So a lot of historic, sorry, a lot of 1970s, 80s office buildings, which are concrete frame buildings, the floor to ceiling heights aren't what you would assume in a brand new Grade A office building built to current building regs and BCA standards. Does that really matter? To some people, it will, but to others, it's you just take a, you take a view on the commerciality of some of these things, um, and I think it's always. What a city needs is it needs different offerings for different people. Not everyone wants a certain type of office. And I think from a city's perspective, you need that spectrum of space. So you need the uber green space at the top end of the market that people talk about outside of Sheffield, but you also need. um, The refurbished existing buildings like Pennine five and those types of buildings that Appeal to different sectors of the market. Every business is different. Every building is different, um, and we just—that's the way of the world, isn't it? Sure, sure, okay.
0: Um, do you think improvements in this regard are going to be driven more by you know tighter government regulation or more by occupier demand? You know, uh, you know, brands increasingly have to be aware of you know social and environmental responsibilities. Uh your heart says that it's driven it's driven by
1: businesses <laughs> but your head said it's driven by legislation and people will build buildings to building regs mm. because that's what they've got to do why would you do any more because it costs more yeah. so there's always been this um <clears throat> sort of inbuilt battle within the market hasn't there of what you should do and what you can do um and i think it's pretty, i know it's a pretty rubbish
0: answer but it's probably a bit of both Mm, carrot and stick. Yeah. Sure, okay. Um, now, if you're moving kind of beyond environmental issues, what's occupier sentiment like at the moment? Because, you know, you, you put, put the news on and, and the forecasts are pretty bleak, and yeah, we're told it's likely to get worse before it gets better. Um, but are people in Sheffield still being, you know, entrepreneurial and opening and expanding businesses?
1: Yeah, it's always been a very entrepreneurial city. I mean, I think mm. some of the stats, Sheffield's one of the best places in the country to start a tech business, um, which is a phenomenal start for a city, city like Sheffield. Um, and there is an inevitability about business, isn't there? Mm. Businesses have to evolve, they have to move forward, um, and they have to um, try and expand because um, if they don't, they stand still. Hmm. Um, so I think more of the sort of point is that a lot of the, and these are sweeping generalisations, the larger occupiers are still watching to see their contemporaries move into new office space and how they operate new office space. Um, there's always this element that people don't want to lead the charge themselves so if you've got a thousand two thousand three thousand four thousand members of staff when you move office it becomes exceptionally political it's a massive investment and there's comfort in the fact that five other businesses have done it recently and here are the lessons that they've learned how much does working at home have an impact if you've got a thousand staff, mm. 5% of the staff in. Well, that's actually quite a lot of space. Or <laughs> well, 5% of the staff not in, that's a lot of space and mm. uh, it's a lot of cost. Um, so I think this there's still this balance to sort of get to the bottom of. My personal sort of take on it is that the only managed businesses, everyone's back in the office. Um, the bigger corporates people are still working from home a reasonable amount and just walking around town today i think there's a lot of people working at home today definitely
0: now um okay if you had you know either a magic wand or a limitless supply of cash um what's the thing you do that, that would really improve you know the commercial real estate market in south yorkshire oh god
1: um <laughs> that's quite a big question that would improve the market yeah, sort of um, broadly. I think it's upping the standard of space that's delivered to the market. Um, that's a, and, and it's not it's not commercially viable, or it would have been done, but improving the quality of the stock, which all of a sudden it, you get that qualitative improvement in the marketplace, which is a huge boost to the market. Um, I think that's probably the big thing really we need to improve the quality of the stock because that drives everything else i think sheffield is a city i think we can be hopefully one of the greenest cities in the uk and i think that can be the green uh, using the word green has a number of different connotations we are already a very green city with the parks and the peak district environmentally so on the esg side of things we can be a lot greener and i think it's investment in those areas that make the city stand out and make it more interesting and make it more appealing to people so they're probably the things that i'd look at
0: good stuff Okay, excellent okay um and finally then um last year you signed up as a radius data partner so you get to kind of see how you do it against the rest of the market and you get your name out there in front of potential clients etc um how are you finding using it how useful is it
1: we like winning awards and we like looking better in front of our uh, contemporaries <laughs> in the marketplace. Um, I mean, we're agency practice, so we're not, we not—we don't, don't do valuation work, so we don't use it for comps and that sort of stuff. Um, but it is always good to sort of measure yourself against the competition, to know where you sit, um, to know whether you could do better, whether you have opportunity, what everyone else is up to. So from that point of view, it's been, it's been very useful from our point of
0: view and the mantelpiece is getting bigger with a few of the awards <laughs> <laughs> good stuff okay well it's good to have you on board um okay well on that note i think we'll have to wrap up thank you very much for your time that was really interesting thank you it's a pleasure nice to see you and uh, i'll let you go and get a nice drink